TCU continues to land commitments for their 2024 class. A new offensive tackle committed over the weekend. We'll talk about that next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Horn Frogs, uh, your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. I uh, appreciate you if you would do that also wherever it is you get your podcast. We're now on the SiriusXM app, um, so you can subscribe there as well. Thank you for tuning in, whether it be uh, the video version or the audio version of Locked On Horn Frogs. I appreciate it. So TCU, 2024 football class. Um, the momentum has kind of been slow right there. haven't been a ton of commits yet, but starting with Haas Haney, they have – Started to get some momentum. Ryan Hughes, the offensive tackle out of the Woodlands, committed. Travis Jackson, the defensive lineman from Tyler Legacy. And then on Friday, um, Tobias Steps, big offensive tackle from Lancaster. He commits to TCU, um, standing at 6'5", 260, good frame, good size. Uh, he actually did this on Dave Campbell's Texas Football, one of their live shows, uh, Texas Football Today. So there's a pretty lengthy, like, 30-minute video if you want to watch him commit. Um, there's also some good information for Jeremy Clark at 247 Sports and Horn Frog Blitz if you want to check that out as well. But who is this guy? As I said, Lancaster offensive tackle. And, you know, the book on Tobias seems to be, again, another high upside take by this TCU staff. And there's been a lot of that. You know, we've, we've talked at length about Haas Haney, and um, he's a three-star via 247's ratings service if you look at on three he's rated as a four-star prospect and a lot of the i guess limitations or the reason that people might have some questions about him from a scouting perspective is, is really just based on his size it's not anything to do with his ability he had a huge season in Toledo last year as our starting quarterback led them to a state championship big time dual threat huge athlete um, is a track star at Alito as well. And then you, you also saw guys like Ryan Hughes and Travis Jackson, also three-star commits. Jackson, I think, is also a four-star, depending on what kind of rating service you look at. But, again, good size, good ability, guys that might see their recruitment take off a little bit more in their senior season for steps. Um, according to Greg Powers from Texas Football and some other recruiting experts I've seen, uh, you know, had some injury issues last year, but really took off in the spring – from a camp standpoint, like excelled in these, you know, camps, off-season camps, um, excelled as scouts got their eyes on him, coaching staffs got their eyes on him, and started to uh, get a lot of offers. So eight offers at the moment, um, that list, Cal, Lucian Monroe, SMU, Texas State, among others, and TCU, of course, offered him as well. And so when you look at his list, I mean, I think obviously, like, TCU was a clear front runner here. Um, they're kind of the best program that's offered him so far. We'll see what happens as his season progresses and hopefully he has a, a healthier senior season where he plays, you know, a lot of snaps and gets uh, gets some more time. I'm always a little hesitant um, when, when we talk about linemen and camps. Like, I get that that is how a lot of people evaluate them. I'm not trying to hate on those recruiting services that are doing it. But for me, it's like often the defensive linemen – you can really only get a, a clear evaluation when we're talking about full pads, full contact, game-like situations. So we'll see what happens with Tobias um, as he sips into a senior season. But you have another guy at the you know 6A level that is 
going to play a lot of snaps, have a lot of experience. Um, and again, like a, a really good frame that Coach Kazkazadi can take and hopefully build with. Uh, one thing that I really appreciate about Sonny Dykes and the way his staff is recruiting, and um, you see like you, you have four commits now, three of those are guys in the trenches. And it was clear from that Georgia game, the biggest deficiency for TCU. And it, it's kind of interesting to say this because I think one of their biggest strengths last year was that veteran offensive line. But the biggest difference was Georgia just had absolute dogs up front, and I don't think TCU could quite hang with that. And there were also obviously a lot of other things that were problems for TCU in that game as well. But when you look at the best programs in the nation, when you look at what Alabama's done through the years, when you look at what Georgia's done recently, um, it starts in the trenches. You have to build your roster from the inside out. And with guys last year like Marcus Steele and Avion Carter on the O-line, um, then we got some big offensive linemen as well. They're really focusing on the O-line and D-line in this recruiting cycle. And the transfer portal, they've added some players like Willis Patrick, Thomas, Tommy Brockermeyer, um, and others. You see the emphasis that this staff has on we have to get better on the inside. Like we have to get better um, up front. And if we can do that, then this seems to be more successful. And it's one of the reasons, like I hate to give them credit, and I know TCU fans are skeptical about this program and I am too, but it's one of the reasons that I have some belief in what Sark is doing at Texas because they're committing, you know, a good portion of this NIL money they have to offensive linemen. They're trying to get better up front. They have a lot of young offensive linemen. They're exciting players, and I appreciate that TCU is doing this um, from a recruiting standpoint as well. So Tobias Steps, he uh, ends up committing to TCU, fourth player so far in this 2024 class that has committed um, and we'll see. There's still a lot of uh, still a lot of uh, players out there that they're really heavy after. Obviously, in the 2024 class, some of the bigger names: Bryant Wesco. He hasn't made his decision yet. Five-star wide receiver. Um, Colin Simmons obviously is like the best player in the nation. The edge guy from Duncanville. TCU is in on him. We'll see. You know how much of a chance they actually have. Um, Frogs also made the top five list for Xavier Sims a uh, big-time defensive lineman, um, and so they're in the mix there for him as well. Uh, you got to love what TCU is doing from a recruiting standpoint and the types of players that are going out after. That top five for Xavier Sims, uh, Oregon, Vandy, TCU, uh, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. Sims is the top player in the state of Oklahoma, four-star defensive lineman. Uh, stands at 6'4", 270. So uh, a lot of good stuff on the recruiting trail for TCU. Um, they land Tobias Steps from Lancaster, the offensive tackle. Best of luck to him as he gets ready to take on his senior season and good work by the TCU coaching staff getting that done. You're, you're starting to see the pieces come into place. I know there are people that were kind of restless about, man, when is this – when are these commits going to start happening? When will we see more momentum um, on the recruiting trail, and it feels like that's starting to pick up. And I think we'll see more of it in the summer months as official visits start and, and all that gets going. Uh, this is Locked On Hornets. When we come back, Ross Dellinger had a good article today about realignment and expansion, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 fighting for the West. We'll talk about that next on Locked On Hornets. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to talk about FanDuel. FanDuel is 
Um, the best betting app to have right now is the official betting app of the NBA playoffs. NHL playoffs also going on right now. Stars play game seven tonight against the Seattle Kraken. Um, and so if you want to bet parlays, if you want to bet money lines, you can do it on FanDuel. You can download their app. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. Uh, you can also um, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and take advantage of their no-sweat-first-bet deal. What is that? Well, if you put as little as $5 down on a bet, and you lose, and you can get up to $1,000 in bonus bets. So if you're like, man, I don't know if I want to try FanDuel, that no-sweat first bet deal is a good thing to take advantage of. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You can also download their app, uh, and FanDuel, they make it easy for you with the app. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sponsor of the NBA playoffs and proud sponsor of the LockedOn Network. So realignment going on um, just constantly in college football and in the college landscape. And the Big 12 and Pac-12 have been kind of sniping each other within the media for months. I'm honestly kind of tired of it. I feel like I want some sort of resolution. The Pac-12 is still negotiating a TV deal. Um, the, the industry now is saying, reporters are saying in the next 30 to 60 days, we should see some resolution with the Pac-12 either landing a deal or maybe some teams saying, hey, We've lost complete faith in George Glykoff, and we're going to move on. But it's it's one of those things that it's been going on so long now that people have just dug their their heels in the sand on it. So folks that support the Big 12 think the Pac-12 is absolutely cooked, whether that's, you know, people within the Big 12 industry, um, Big 12 media, the Pac-12 on the other side, they are like, oh, this is silly. The Pac-12 has a deal. I'm, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I will say this idea, like Pac-12 people that are confident right now, that's crazy to me. Um, I, I think the Pac-12 could still end up finding a workable TV deal that is close to what the Big 12 is making, which, you know, the numbers suggest that the Big 12 schools should be playing about $31 million a year based on this new deal that Brett Yormark landed. Um, but the idea that, like, the Pac-12 is in good shape is is wild to me. They're not in good shape. If they were in good shape, they would have had a TV deal done by now. Clearly – um, the market is not good for them. Like the Big 12 has kind of set a precedent. Uh, networks don't want to go above that for the Pac-12. If they did, there there would be a deal done by now. So I think there's a decent chance that the Pac-12 kind of folds in on itself. Obviously, Oregon and Washington could at any time kind of move to the Big Ten if the Big Ten wants to pursue that option. Um, and then the Big 12 is is – you know, they're not making it a secret. Like, they want to expand to the West. They are after the Arizona schools. They're after Colorado. They're after Utah. And if any of those schools make a decision to move on, then the Pac-12 is in big trouble. I think the issue for those four corner schools is they want to partner with them, right? Like, Arizona seems like they might want to move, but they need Arizona State to come with them. Colorado, it seems like there might be some interest by them in moving, but they want somebody to come with them. And the logistics haven't really – been figured out yet. But I think the Big 12 is in a good place. Some interesting notes from this Ross Dellinger article. So the Pac-12, from an expansion standpoint, they are still focused on SMU and San Diego State, which those are schools that you can have. I don't think either of those schools move the needle much at all. Uh, as TCU fans, we understand SMU. Like the idea that SMU gives anybody in the Dallas market is laughable. Dallas is a pro sports town. It's about the Cowboys. It's about the Mavericks. It's about the Rangers. And really, it's about the Cowboys. Like, if the Mavs are good, they'll get plenty of coverage. If the Rangers are good, which they're right now, they're in first place. I'm enjoying that. Thank you uh, to Chris Young for, you know, finally doing something with this team after years of just kind of 
wandering in the abyss. But if if they're good, they'll get coverage. But it's it's a pro sports town. It's an NFL town. It's about the Dallas Cowboys. People do not care about SMU. SMU alums care about SMU, and that's about it. It's They are not capturing the city at large. As much as they put Dallas on their uniform and put a big D on their helmet, they are not the school of Dallas. But I will say this. Uh, one thing that Ross talked about was the Pac-12 is after SMU really because Dallas is the hub city of the Big 12. And so it's just kind of a petty thing, like, hey, we're moving into the state of Texas. We're moving into your hub city. Um, on the flip side of that, the Big 12 is apparently after UNLV. It's not their top target. Their top target are those four corner schools, the Arizona schools, Colorado, Utah. But they're also after UNLV. That's on their list. And that's also a calculated move by Brett Yormark because he's trying to move into Vegas because that's where a lot of Pac-12 business happens. But UNLV does not give, like, like I just said, SMU does not give anybody the Dallas market. UNLV does not give anybody the Vegas market. I'm, people in Vegas, I'm sure their UNLV alums care. If you want to comment on YouTube and tell me, no, people in Vegas love UNLV. No, they don't. I'm sure there are people that care about them. But UNLV, like, no, they're not giving you the Vegas market. Vegas, there's a lot of things going on in Vegas besides sports. Vegas has become a pro sports city now because professional sports and college sports have both sort of gotten in bed with the sports gambling industry, the sports betting industry. Thank you to FanDuel, one of the proud sponsors of the Locked On Network. And, and so now that that's become more kosher, we're going to see the A's move there soon. You obviously have the Vegas Knights. The Raiders are there. UNLV is not giving you the city of Vegas. But it would be a footprint in the West Coast. And the Big 12 is obviously trying to find a way to get that fourth TV window, that 9 p.m., that 9.30 p.m. Central Time game on a Saturday night, that supposedly is so important to these TV partners, specifically ESPN, because they like to have coverage of college football. They like to have college football games on from 11 a.m. Central to midnight Central, right? They just want to have it on all day. And so the West Coast gives you those options. I think the Big 12 is in a good spot. But here's here's my plea to Bray Yormark. Because there's also, like, they're thinking about maybe adding UConn. That was dropped in there in this article by Ross Dellinger. And that sort of coincides with um, – because they've also talked about adding Gonzaga. So it's like, okay, you get Gonzaga and UConn. The Big 12 clearly is part of this plan is they're trying to be the, the basketball conference, premier basketball conference. If you can't be the premier football conference, let's stake our claim in basketball. And your mark seems to think that there is a – market out there, an untapped market uh, from a TV right standpoint for basketball, that these TV networks are going to say, yeah, we want big time college basketball. We want to pay money for it. Um, I'm kind of skeptical of that. You know, the the Big East has tried to do that to a certain extent. Um, and I, I wouldn't say it's been successful, but they do have a deal with Fox. Their games are on FS1. I'm not somebody who watches a lot of regular season college basketball, honestly, outside of the Big 12. So I'm not like going to be, oh, UConn Creighton on a Tuesday night, even though those are two really good programs. I'd rather watch the NBA if it's not a Big 12 game. But anyway, I don't really – I'm not interested in adding UConn and, and Gonzaga and becoming a basketball superpower. I'm not interested in adding UMNLV. But if you're able to get one of those Pac-12 schools and, you know, the the consequence of that being for the Pac-12, that they either have to fold or they just add a bunch of group of five schools to try to save face – that to me is that's priority number one for the Big 12, and that's where the Big 12 could really start to separate themselves and maybe get a footprint 
and the West Coast. But at the end of this, a Power 5 official said, with realignment, it's not about if, it's about when. Like, this is happening at some point. There hasn't been much movement. It's just been a bunch of people sniping at each other back and forth on Twitter for a year. Um, but it, something's going to happen. And so we'll see what happens with this Pac-12 TV deal. I think the Big 12 is in a good position. If they could land one of those four corner schools, that would be significant. What do you think? Do you feel like adding UNLV, UConn, Gonzaga, any of that is uh, prudent, or do you just believe that that would be sort of another school to add and possibly like a, a footprint on the West Coast? And we can put that in quotes because I just I don't know how much that actually moves the needle if you add schools like that. We'll take one more break and we'll come back and we'll wrap things up with a few kind of news and notes type. Uh, deals. We'll do that next in Lockdown Horn Frogs. All right, final thing for you. Uh, one, I won't hit on every transfer that moves on to a new place that left TCU. I'm just going to kind of hit some of the big notes. Like, you know, Keon Stewart landed to Michigan State a few weeks ago, which surprised me. Um, I think Alex Hoyne, the, the quarterback from Germany, turned tight end. He is going to sign with UConn, which was kind of interesting, caught my eye. Uh, but Kyron Chambers is going to SMU. And there's been a lot of speculation that Chambers and Hudson were like a package deal for SMU, that there was some tampering going on. Um, so we'll see what happens there. You know, good for SMU. If they want to give some money to Kyron Chambers, I think he's a good player. I feel like he's going to end up being a good corner. This year he wasn't going to be much of an impact player for TCU, but I do feel like down the road he could have been. So it's a loss. You know, I, I think TCU can obviously recover from it, but he's a talented guy. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, he'll probably start immediately there. He wasn't going to play much this season for TCU, I feel like, barring some sort of injury. But just so you know, he's moving on to SMU. Jordan Hudson still hasn't announced anything. And so we'll see where he ends up um, in the coming weeks. Final thing for you, it's ECU baseball. They swept Baylor. Um, the, it was kind of uh, tricky getting the games in this weekend with the rain. They moved up the Friday game to the afternoon, ended up winning that. I think that final score is 5-1. to one. They beat Baylor 2-1 to one on Saturday. Garrett Wright came in. Garrett Wright's been really good. He came in and closed that game out. Um, and good pitching again this weekend. Second straight weekend in a row where Luis Rodriguez, Cole Klecker looked good on, you know, Friday, Saturday. Um, uh, Sam Stroutenbauer came in on Sunday and got it done. TCU jumped out to a big lead on Sunday uh, and ended up finishing that one out. And so they sweep the Bears. Baylor's the, the worst team in the Big 12 Conference. That was a, a series they had to get a sweep. Um, and so now they'll turn their attention to game against Texas State Tuesday, Friday, Saturday against Kansas State, and then that's it for the regular season coming into the Big 12 tournament. I feel like – so from an R, RPI standpoint, they're, they're sitting at 50, and that's not that's not very high. But I think if they end up taking two of three from K-State, you got to feel pretty good about their tournament chances. The RPI won't say that, but that means they're finishing probably fourth in the Big 12, maybe fifth, uh, but most likely fourth in the Big 12. And you got to feel pretty good about tournament chances. Even in a week, Big 12, I think finishing top four, having a winning conference record should get them in. But we'll see. Um, they dug this hole for themselves. They're playing well now. They've won seven of their last eight. But there's a lot of ground to make up from some of the silly losses that they had earlier in the season. That'll do it for Locked on Horn Frogs. We'll be back in tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh,